Monkey Farm. And today we are doing a movie called The Stepfather. Mm hmm. From 1987? Mm hmm. And it was a really good movie. <laughs> right out the gate, huh? Yep. Yeah, so we watched this. F Why? Why did we watch this? Because it was Father. We watched this on Father's Day. Right. So, <laughs> and it was, and it had been on uh, Joe Bob Briggs on the last drive in. The previous Friday, so we were getting caught up, or I was getting caught up on that week's episodes, and it just so happened that I wanted to watch The Stepfather Sunday, and Joe Bob had covered The Stepfather Friday, so it was pretty perfect timing, so Al yeah. actually got to watch the Joe Bob Briggs with me, um, and then also got to watch a movie that was rated what? R? Rated R, yeah, man, another one. Rapid Fire, knocking out some R-rated movies, and this one was much easier for you to watch than was RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but being rated R, before we get into the story, which we did very poorly with RoboCop, <laughs> let's let's tackle, and I don't mean that we got into the story poorly, I mean, we didn't get into parental guidance early enough in that episode i think so let's start yeah. off with parental guidance before we actually talk about the movie itself al what should parents be aware of in the stepfather there is some violence by yep. some there's like really like a good amount short bursts of graphic violence they are yeah. few and far between but very very powerful when they happen yes there is some actually scary things not just spooky, but actually scary things that happen in right. this movie. Yeah, not spooks, um, not fun spooks. No. Actual scares in this, yeah. Yeah. And so, some fun spooks too, but Well, yeah. yeah, true. But, yeah. There's probably swearing, I should think. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember the swearing, but I am sure there is some. Hold on. Restricted. No, I was hoping that maybe they would have gone back and added on some list of the things that it was rated R for. But uh, there's also nudity. There's also um, a couple adult situations. Yeah. I, I think that's about it, though. I really don't think there's much more than that. I mean, the, the content itself is, as Al pointed out, pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I mean, to go back to what Joe Bob Briggs was talking about on his episode, it has a very lifetime thriller feel to it. You know, one that would be on the Lifetime channel. Uh, and it definitely feels like that in some ways. I love those movies. I love the Lifetime thrillers. So, you know, to have one that's like that, but a bigger budget, Terry O'Quinn in the lead. You know, or I mean, maybe the budget isn't bigger. <laughs> it's just it was made in a different period. Who knows? Sure. But uh, 
Yeah, so it definitely plays a little bit slower, more of a family drama in places. Yeah. But still pretty scary. So, Al, let's talk about the stepfather. Where do you want to start? So, let's start at the beginning, I guess. Okay. Are are you planning on going through the whole movie narratively beat by beat or just talking about the opening scene? Yeah. Okay, okay. So, like, the first thing we see is, we see, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make it suspenseful. It's like, here is our bad guy. It's like... Well, kind of. When we, when we first meet him, he's just a guy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's uh, shaving his beard, he's cutting his hair, putting in contacts. But right? he does have blood on him, which is the thing that's like... Oh, yeah, you're right. He, he does probably have blood on him. I don't remember. Yeah, he does. He does. But okay. you'll, it might... You don't know why. Yeah. You don't know if it's his or what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And then when he, he gets all, like, dressed up in a fancy suit, then he goes down and, like, everybody else is just absolutely dead. Yeah. The entire family. Wife and children. Or wife and stepchildren. All horribly murdered. Yep. And we don't see the murders, we just see the aftermath. Yeah. And this is the part, the first part about it being really scary is he walks out and he's like whistling, just acting like a normal guy going to work. And that's actually scary. Like actual scare. Yeah. It's the fact that he's just a regular seeming guy. Right after he, you know, takes care of his hair and his beard and his glasses and all that stuff, and takes a shower, he then goes and picks up the kids' room, picks up their toys, you know, make sure the the room's all nice and neat. But everybody's dead. There's something really wrong with him, you know, and we know that right off the bat. But we also know that he is a regular-looking dude in a fairly nice suit, who is, you know, a, a really horrible murderer, which is the scary part of it. Like you're saying that anybody kind of could be a murderer. Mm-hmm. Ooh, creepy yeah. stuff. So the suspense is kind of, there's still a little suspense, but that suspense is what he's going to do. Right. When he's going to strike. Ah, that's it right there. When. Mm-hmm. Not who. But or even no. what? Like, no, <laughs> like, not who or what, but when. Yeah, the when and how are the yeah. two things. And also, in some way, why? Yeah. That's also a big question. Like, we never... But you do, lear- you do learn that eventually, though. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get a, get hints. Do you mean hints at why he's a killer in general or why he decides to kill his family? Yes, why he decides to kill his family. Yeah, yeah. He's He has a... A very strict code that he likes to adhere to. And he... He wants a perfect family. Right. A perfect family in a sense that wouldn't make a lot of sense to you. Saying sense many times there. I apologize. Uh, But the perfect family that he's going for is one like that which you would see on old television. Specifically... Like a Lifetime movie. No, not like in Lifetime movies. Lifetime movies are highly dysfunctional. So... Mm. Um, the fact that this is like a Lifetime movie should tell you everything you need to know, um, except, I guess, for the Christmas movies or whatever, right? But his idea of family is rooted instead in, like, TV shows from the 50s and 60s, you know, things like 
leave it to beaver you know <laughs> families like those on i don't know dick van dyke donna reed show any any older show that is just lighthearted and really sappy white picket fence americana norman rockwell nightmare of a family is why he's going for this absolute perfection that doesn't exist yeah and that's why he kills them yeah because he wants a perfect family they didn't give him the one that he expected so he kills them all he and do you remember the word that he keeps using like what he's trying to achieve um family well yes, yes. order Yes, yes. An ordered family. An ordered family is a family, especially in the time period uh, that, you know, the shows were made or about that he's drawing inspiration from. The father keeps the order, right? Mm -hmm. The father maintains order. There's a show called Father Knows Best, right? They're all about dads who, you know, keep their family together and deal with all the problems at the back end of the situations, you know. They're maybe off at work during the day, but they come home at night and they set everything straight. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of father he yeah. wants to be, but that's not how the world works. Yeah, and also, one thing about him whistling, as Dobob said, his whistling um, tells I think it's you Camtown Races. Because they couldn't get... They wanted to do a different song. I forgot what it was, but they couldn't get the rights to it. Right. And as he said, when he whistles, um, he has restored the order in his sense. Yeah, every time he kills somebody or whatever, he walks out whistling. Mm-hmm. Like, because he has restored the order. Right. And in his terms. Well, yeah, exactly, and that's and that's important. Is like order to him is something that to the rest of us is absolute chaos, right? Yeah, there was actually only surprisingly only seven people died in this movie. Uh, yeah, not many, not many. Yeah. It's a very low body count, right? You only see three people get killed. Like the other four are the um the four like family the three stepchildren and then the wife right are dead and, and then it's it, well it's not you know it's not a, a slasher film right it's no. a film that i think people expect to be a slasher film because it's called the stepfather and you know you look at the artwork and there he is on the cover all creepy and he's got like the you know it's the the mirror image of him as um jerry and him as uh, uh william or whatever his name something. was yeah. before he became jerry um, but like as a character, what he does is kill off these families and then he creates a new identity for himself and starts a new life, gets a new family. The whole process resets, you know, mm -hmm. so he was doing who knows what. I don't remember what he was doing when he lived with his first family that we saw. But when he becomes Jerry Blake, he becomes a real estate agent and he sells houses. Um in the second one, the stepfather is uh, takes on the role of a psychiatrist. There are three of these movies. I don't know if I told you that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, there are three of these and then a remake from 2009, I want to say. I own the first three. So. Well, what's wrong with his family? Um, this family, the new family, Jerry's they're, family. They're not the perfect 
family that he wants. Yeah. I mean, his, you know, his wife seems to really love and appreciate him, right? Just she's, like the family. Yeah. Yeah. Just like he's looking for. She's very much the ideal wife in that regard. Mm -hmm. But kids are the problem for him. Mm-hmm. And... Like, that's kind of why. He also buys a dog, which makes a lot of sense, because dogs are the perfect pet. They always do what they're supposed to. <laughs> At least that's kind of the stepfather ideal, yeah. right? The man's best friend, the kind of, you know, I don't know. Again, going back to old TV, you know, Lassie saves the day or whatever. He talks about Rin Tin Tin. That's right. He mentions Rin Tin Tin. All of his touchstones in life are these old TV shows and stuff. And we get the sense that he had some abusive, you know, that like he was abused horribly. And so he retreats into seemingly these worlds of television. We're never told this, but it's at least what it seems like to me that like his childhood yeah. was so bad that he like just like allowed himself to, you know, believe in the television world more so than his own world. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's watching Mr. Ed and cracking up, dude. Yeah. And then cracking up. The and, but he's also mouthing the words mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he's memorized it. Yeah, and, and in those days, that's really uh, extra weird that somebody would do that or be able to do that. Do you know why? Because it's you can't control what you're watching. <laughs> right, not in those days. You could you could not pick exactly what you were going to watch when you were going to watch it because unless you, you had were, like the TV thing. Unless you with TV thing, I forgot. It's like uh, I don't remember. It's like a. It shows you what's going to be on? Like a guide? Yeah. Nope, didn't have those. Really? No, sir. You had a box with a dial on it, and you turned the dial to a station, and whatever was on that station is what you could watch on that station. You had no choice but exactly what was on at all times. And in the 80s, unless you had cable, you had probably three or four stations. And if you were in a bigger area, maybe a local station or two. Right. So you did not have much TV. It used to be that millions and millions of people would watch every single show that was on every single night. Right. Because, I mean, there was only a handful of options, you know. So, yeah. And you, there's no way you could do that now. I mean, you could. I mean, people still do watch those very same stations that show things just when they're going to show them. It's called broadcast TV. You don't have any experience with it, really, um, apart from, like, when we're watching, like, the Olympics. That's really the only time yeah. that you see broadcast TV. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. He couldn't control it. So, like, how did he see this episode of Mr. Ed so many times that he knows the lines to it? it means he watches television constantly. Yeah. So what's up with this new family, though? Like, why? where does the dysfunction come from? Because we had said that his wife pretty much fits the bill for what he's looking for, right? Yeah. But yeah. Where does the problem come in? Um, With our main character, which is the kid. Mm -hmm. Stephanie. Uh, yeah, which she is actually afraid of him. Right. Like, yeah. In she She has the sense that there is something wrong with him. Yeah. Um, she's played by uh, Jill Sholin, who's in a bunch of horror movies back in the day, and she doesn't really act anymore. Or, you know, she you, you'll get her in interviews for things like uh, Cutting Class, a slasher she did with uh, Brad Pitt, in fact. 
And she was in a movie called Popcorn that I like. Uh, she was in the Robert England Phantom of the Opera. She was in all of these like horror movies and then just vanished. Uh, when a Stranger Calls Back, she's in that one. Uh, not, I wish her role was bigger in that one. She kind of like vanishes for a while, but it is what it is. So, Stephanie, the daughter, she's got problems. What's up with her? She is, um, getting in trouble so much at school. Like, can you, I don't really. You didn't understand what the consequence of her action was? Like, I don't really understand all of it, so can you really do that? Okay, so you want me to explain to you what was going on with her? Um, well, she, she ended up getting expelled. Yeah, I, you, I know that. So do you know what expelled is? Yeah, you, you, like, you get kicked out of school. Yep, you cannot go to school anymore. Um, she has some kind of behavioral issue that has arisen since her father's death. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the story that we don't get much about. Uh, it, it's one of the tragic shortcomings of the film that, the main instigator of Jerry's breakdown, which is Stephanie's behavior, is something that we're told about, but rarely shown. We see her in that one fight, and she gets expelled from school. But everything else is just, you know, she's sad or scared of Jerry or having a nice time with her mom or hanging out with uh, that boy that she likes. And generally, she's a seemingly happy-go-lucky person, apart from the fact that after her dad died, You know, she's obviously sad and traumatized by that. And Jerry being around so close to, you know, the death of her father is something that triggers some bad behavior in her. It's actually pretty common in kids. You know, when parents divorce, their kids can act out. They'll lash out. They don't understand what's going on. Um, They may blame themselves. Uh, You know, when a parent dies, imagine how much stronger those feelings can be. Right. So she projects a lot onto Jerry and not without good reason (laughs) because he is actually creepy. And she becomes convinced after a while that he's the killer, the serial killer bouncing around killing families. But like kind of out of almost out of nowhere, she just decides it. And it's a it's a plot point that I like because in any other movie, it could be a thing that a kid just thinks that's absolutely pointless. That it's just like, well, see, you were just judging them harshly for no reason. But in this case, she's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't get much about her actual behavior, which is a shortcoming. Um, but it also feels more natural in that way. Like if you're around somebody who has behavioral issues at school, who's been expelled from school, are you going to know it by talking to them? Not unless they tell you, not unless they fight you. But I mean... If they have no reason to fight you or tell you, they're just going to seem like any other person, you know. So there, I appreciate the naturalism of what the stepfather's doing there, though I do agree that it's maybe a bit obtuse, a bit uh, unclear in some ways what's happening there. But I think that really any shortcoming there you can chalk up to verisimilitude or the semblance of truth. Mm-hmm. Or the strength of Terry O'Quinn's performance as Jerry Blake. Yeah. Who's one of the scariest characters ever in <sighs> film. I, I cannot disagree. I want to say that there is a point um, which 
I really like where she's like, okay, I must admit, Jerry is the best person ever because he gets her back into school. Right. But then I like that because immediately after that, like basically directly after that, um, you have the party and then like a breakdown. Oh, yeah. He has that meltdown in the basement. Yeah, which yeah. she sees directly after she admits that he's the best person. Well, I think she's being sarcastic there, yeah. but, you know. But still, I do think she's a little more happy about it. Well, and I mean, once she actually does warm up to him, because he manages to fake it in such a way that he convinces her he's not the killer, he gets wise to her, you know, um, suspicions, convinces her that he's not the killer, but then immediately goes absolutely berserk on her, you know, when um, she's kissing that boy. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just like, after she gets like, warmed up to him and used to him, he has a meltdown and then he goes berserk. Like, it's just like, so surprising. Like, just yeah. instantly. So I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're on the subject of our absolutely monstrous spooky character i think that'd be a good place to transition over into our segments to keep talking about this stuff yep. right so beastly best man jerry ooh he's a spooky dude but what's what do you think is the coolest moment in the movie and is there a cool moment ooh i really i can you go first? <laughs> yeah, sure, man. I think what's difficult in this is the movie isn't per se cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a movie that you necessarily have fun watching because it is genuinely a scary movie. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, Beastly Best, the part that I think is, like, like more the most monstrous, monster, mon Mon monster-like? Yeah. <laughs> monstrous? Uh-huh. Like, the most monstrous, like, part, but there's so... But there's nothing cool in what he does there. Yeah, and, like, there's a bunch of different parts, but I, I can't. I don't really have one. I do think it is cool in, a, in less of a, I don't know, like a, wow, that's neat and fun kind of a way, but cool in, the, in that it's really, really interesting and smart and compelling that... We get to watch, you know, um, Jerry transition away from being Jerry and into this new person, right? And I think that's really neat. To me, that's one of the most exciting parts of this movie is seeing him do that transition and knowing what it means for the family. It's like really intense, really interesting. Uh, the second film is far more about that. That's the one thing that I do actually like about the sequel quite a bit is that it focuses far more on what if he picks the wrong job, right? Like, clearly he can't do everything equally well. So what if he takes a job that conflicts with his worldview? Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. that, that becomes a big focus uh, of it. I also I also thought of one that I actually do have a beastly best. When he's selling the house to the... Um, the psychiatrist guy? Yeah. Yeah. That part, I think, is... Yeah. Yeah, I I know what you I know what you're getting at. He also really demonstrates his strength as a monster there. Yeah. Because he you see how 
clearly he reads what the psychiatrist is trying to do and uses language to get the psychiatrist to sort of out himself as the faker that he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. But do you think you're ready to get spooked? Well, I think we've already talked about it. Well, how about you reiterate yeah. it again briefly? You don't have to explain it anymore, but what was your spookiest moment? The first thing we talked about. When we opened the film and yep. he's acting totally normal? Yeah. I would add to that, maybe the best moment in the movie is when he's creating this new persona for himself during the day and then coming back home to Stephanie and her mom in the evening. And Stephanie's mom, whose name I don't remember, I've forgotten that already, <laughs> but Stephanie's mom had been calling to talk to him at work and found out that he had quit his job, right? His secretary quit. Oh, our, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain this moment? Yeah. Because it's then, really great. Yeah. And then when Jerry comes home, she's like, she's like telling him about like why. And then he calls in and he... Is like he uses his other identity. Yeah, he's like, you know, oh, she must have just got confused. You know, it's it's crazy. This new girl can't remember any names. How hard is it to remember? And then like whatever his new name is, you know, and he says his new name. And she goes, what? And this and, is probably the best line. He's like, who am I here? Yeah, he pauses and there's this look on his face of like, you can see like his identity just fracturing in front of your eyes and he pauses he doesn't even look at her and he's just so wild-eyed and he goes wait who am i here and she's like jerry and he goes jerry that's right you know and it's oh man the who really? am i here bit it's on the cover even i mean yeah you know it's like, in the, that's the best bit who so. am i here but yeah that moment where he slips up and loses character right then on a dime, he flips and he is the killer, you know, and it's it's only a couple times that we see him flip into the killer. And that is really scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. OK, so then funny bones. Um... I mean, I chuckle at it for sure. There's <laughs> always some amusing stuff in what Jerry's doing, you yeah. know, like. I don't know. I always like laugh sort of uncomfortably and maniacally at all of the stuff that he says that's like coded, you know, where he says something like he would never do this. But we know he really means that he would totally 100 percent do that if given the yeah. chance, you know, yeah. love that stuff. But let's then skip over that because it really is a, a scary movie. It does have moments of levity, but it's pretty dour <laughs> on the whole. But uh, so. Scream themes, man. What do you think this movie's about? What do you think it's saying? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't distill that any better than than you put it there. Clearly, the lesson that we need to learn is the lesson that stepfather Jerry Blake cannot, which is that people aren't perfect. They aren't like on TV. If it was like on TV, then like... Why would there even be TV? <laughs> sure. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, then, if that's the case, we have to understand that not only are the people around us not going to be perfect and disappoint us sometimes, 
but that that doesn't make them bad people and that doesn't make your family bad. What he doesn't know, what he doesn't understand is that relationships take work, right? And he's never had that in his life. Like clearly his childhood was somehow messed up and he doesn't understand that imperfection is what makes humans human. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, man. Absolutely love it. So here at the end of the episode, would you recommend The Stepfather? Yes. Would you recommend it to kids? No. No. <laughs> Categorically not. Absolutely not. Um, for most kids, this is a movie that they would, one, not be interested in, two, be unable to watch, especially during the gory stuff, um, which there isn't much. There's a little bit of gore. Um, a lot of what happens is off screen. So it's more letting your imagination run away. And it's like, that's what makes it scary. But yeah, the fact that you actually sat through it with me was surprising. And I'm very happy about that because <laughs> it is one of my favorite movies. So clearly I recommend it highly. Mm -hmm. But that's The Stepfather. Well, all right, man. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can support us, find us, etc.? You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash word salad. Mm-hmm. Starting a new series over there called... Yep. Cadavercast Back from the Grave. That's right. Revisiting movies that we looked at when Al was too young to remember them any longer. <laughs> so, revisiting those, which is already pretty fun. We're having a good time, yeah. even, even from the start. So, uh, you know... Keep an eye out for those patrons, but also if you want access to that, where can they find us again? Patreon.com slash word salad. Yep, there's that show, my series Cinema. Joe is doing a bunch of shows and stuff over there, so it supports us and Word Salad Radio. Thank you all who support us. Yep. They can, of course, rate and review us on wherever they can rate and review us, and we'll read the reviews. If yep, I would love to. We've, uh, Recorded a few back-to-back, -back, so we may have missed a review or two that we have to go back to. We will read your reviews out loud on the show when uh, they get posted. If we don't read them, let us know. We'll get on it. Al, where can they find us elsewhere online? You can find us on Twitter at cadaver underscore cast. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Instagram at cadavercast. You can find us on Facebook at the Cadavercast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. You can email us at cadavercast at gmail.com. And you can find our merch at teespring.com slash cadavercast. Nice. <laughs> you did it, dude. You know what to do next. You've been listening to another episode of Cadavercast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Who am I here?